0: praise God. We're going to talk about living by faith, growing in faith. I didn't know what the title it. We've got so many titles, living by faith and whatever. But it's, it's basically God wanting to take us to a higher level and elevate us to a place that He wants us to be. And I know that's all about faith. It's going to take faith to get us to the place that He wants us to be. So are you, are you on board with me? Do we want to get there, praise God? Before we look at our notes, we're talking about living by faith. Before we get there, let me just say this. Our attitude toward the things we've heard before will determine whether or not we grow in our faith and grow in the things of God what do I mean by that sometimes we hear something over and we say I heard that before and we develop some kind of an attitude a mental block that we don't listen to what's being said it doesn't matter how many times you and I have heard what we've heard faith does not come by having heard faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing over and over again the same and here's why remember the principle in First Corinthians chapter 3 where it talks about Paul said I planted." Apollos, what did he do? Watered. But who gives the increase? God gives the increase. Notice the three agents that are involved there. The one who plants, the planter. The one who waters, the waterer. The one who gives the increase, the increaser. Those three. Well, what's the difference? Well, all you have to do is plant a seed how many times for it to grow? Once. So he plants the seed of the word of God by proclaiming the truth of God's word. And the first time you hear it, you heard it from the planter the waterer is the one then who says the same thing over and over again. You can hear it from different sources but it's the same truth. So how many times do we have to water? (laughs) Often. Often. Praise God. (laughs) Once you plant the seed, often you water that seed or it's not going to grow. So what does that mean? We've got to hear it over and over and over and over and over and over again. You keep watering it and watering it and watering it and watering and watering it and it'll grow. But ultimately, who gives the increase? The increaser is God and he gives the increase. So in other words, it's not going to happen apart from the increaser, the one who gives the increase. You know what we should be saying every day? I don't want to just read this word to be detached from my life to say, I put in my time and I read a chapter, a verse or whatever. I want increase. Of revelation, I want increase of wisdom, I want increase of understanding I want increase of my faith, I want you to make alive in me, a living thing in me praise God so I can use it to your honor and to your glory so I want my faith to increase, you want your faith to increase? we got to get before the increaser and that's the living God, amen, praise God that's what we want, that's what we need all of us, see faith is one of the most important subjects of the Bible Because without it you and I cannot please God we are told Hebrews 11.6 right? We just can't please God without it so it's absolutely essential and necessary. So we have to grow in our faith. To grow in our faith we have to hear it over and over and over again. He went on to say he that comes to God must believe two things. What two things? That he is and that he is a rewarder. He is, well who is he? Not like people say today, oh, there are many ways to get to God. There's many gods that are out there and all that. No, 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 no. He is God. He's God that made the heavens and the earth and sea and all that in them is. He's God who's clothed with honor and majesty, covered with light as a garment. He's God who stretched forth the heavens like a curtain, laid the beams of his chambers in the waters. He's God who makes his angels, spirits, his ministers of flaming fire. He is the God, praise God, that established the boundary of the sea and the waters shall not pass over. He is God Almighty, omnipotent, omnipresent all-powerful, all-knowing. He is the God who hung the stars in the sky and called them by name, praise God. He is the God that created you. God created me. He is the God who sent His Son to die for us. He's God. Who's bigger than any problem you and I can face in this life. And greater. Praise God. That's who He is. And that He is a rewarder. Well, What's the use of doing this? What's the use of going to church? If you didn't come here to be rewarded then you know what? Make make an adjustment right now. You come seeking his face. You've come wanting to know something more from him. He will reward you, praise God, with what you're looking for. You want to know him better? Then let him know, I want increase in my revelation of who you are in my life. I want increase, Father. That's what I want. Without faith, think about this. You can't worship right. Abel, we're told in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. So by faith, we worship by faith we walk with God, Enoch by faith we're told walked with God and then he was taken, he was not and Noah by faith worked for God so you can't worship, you can't walk and you can't work for God the way we ought to without faith, so just to do it out of faith is not right we're doing it in faith, I'm doing what God told me to do Noah did what God told him to do, Abel did what God told him to do in worship Enoch walked with God, and who knows what, he was he was gone he walked so close to God, so we can see the importance and the value of faith so we're going to go to these scriptures, we're going to talk about some things we talked about, I'm not going to take as much time as you think I am, <laughs> at least I don't think so we'll try to get through it but real quick, but it is too important God wants to elevate us, you want elevated? you ready to get elevated? okay look at the Hebrews chapter 3, faith is required to experience the blessings that Jesus suffered and died for We need faith to experience those blessings. You know you can have a table prepared before you in the presence of your enemies and not take one of those things that's on the table. Okay, let me better illustrate that. You can have a table full of donuts back there in the fellowship hall and be like me. I never took one. I didn't get my inheritance. Didn't get my blessing. Is it their fault? Is it Mac Donuts' fault? Is it the workers back there's fault? Whose fault is it that I didn't go back there and get a donut? Was it on the table? Did God prepare us a table before us in the presence of our enemies? Is everything on the table spread out for us to enjoy and experience? Is it in the promised land the promises of God belong to us? It's up to us to by faith go in there and take what belongs to us. By faith. If we don't do it, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. We've got to do what God says to do. All right look at these verses, I want you to see three things, we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief, why couldn't the Israelites, the first generation of Israelites enter into the promised land and take their blessings? What's the answer? Unbelief that's why unbelief, uh, let us therefore fear lest the promise being left of us entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it, so there we have a warning, so number one, they couldn't enter in because of unbelief For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with what? With what? With faith in them that heard it. So number one, they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. Number two, under Joshua they entered in because of faith. And number three, we've been warned that we're not going to enter in if we don't use our faith in the finished work of Christ and all that he's done for us. So it's up to us to use our faith to get what's on the table of blessing and make it a reality in our lives. Secondly, what shall we, what we hear is basically what we're going to have faith in. The gospel you hear is the gospel you're going to live by. And you know what? You hear wrong, your faith is going to be wrong. Look in the book of Numbers. And I don't want to be among these. This is the first generation Israelites that came out of Egypt. Notice, but the men that went up with him said we be not able, we be not able, how about that for a preacher, all the leaders said we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying notice the word saying, saying what did I say, the land through which we have gone to search it's the land that eats up the inhabitants thereof, all the people that we saw are men of great stature there we saw the sons of the giants, the sons of Anak which were coming to the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Notice what they believed, and notice what they said. That was their unbelief speaking, and as a result, they were denied entrance into the promised land. So when we hear things like what they just said, we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it. You know, we like to have a building project, but we know we can't afford it. You know, we like to pay our bills, but we know we can't afford it. We don't like to do that, but we just don't have the money coming in. And the negativity that they basically exuded and, and, and transferred upon the people was devastating to them. They couldn't get into their promised land because of an unbelief. Okay, but then secondly, look at verse 30, Numbers 1330. And Caleb sealed the people before Moses and said let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it, so unbelief says we can't do it, faith says we are well able, let me ask you a question, were the circumstances the same? the only difference was the way they saw it, their perspective, what they believed we can't, we can, well thirdly look at verse 28 and this one Mark highlighted in your Bible underscored, underlined it use multicolored <laughs> magic marker or markers and all that this is god's response to what people believe and what they say saying to them as truly as i live how truly does god live you think that's a minor statement there as truly as i live no. as truly as i live saith the lord as you have spoken in my ears so will I do unto you or do to you. Oh my what did he say? As truly as I'm alive what I've heard you say is what I will do to you. Wow you said the giants are bigger you said you're not going to get in You said you're going to die in the wilderness, and what happened to them? That's exactly what happened to them. What did Caleb say? We're well able to take the land, we can get into the land. What happened to him? He got into the promised land. Faith is based on the promise of God and our believing what he said and saying what he said even though the circumstances dictate otherwise keep that before your mind, let's evaluate the first generation uh, of Israelites, so that we could understand their reasoning okay, when they came out of Egypt they had no army, they were slaves they had no military force, they were slaves they had no access to long range missiles they had no grenades, right, no militia no weapons of mass destruction nothing along that line at all but yet they got out they traveled through the wilderness they got to the red sea they came to the promised land and as we look at this we understand that here they are without any military knowledge any military strength without any weapons whatsoever to be used but yet they came out and God got them there and along the way not only did he fight for them he defended them he protected them he provided for them 11 million gallons of water out of a rock every day 45,000 tons of manna every day fed them along the way when they got to the Red Sea and the army was behind them the Red Sea was parted they got across dry ground they finally got to the River Jordan where they saw Jericho and all they had to do was enter in let me ask you a question The ites that were in the land. You know the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the termites. All the ites of the land that were there. Were they greater than Pharaoh's army? I don't think so. At all. Did they get where they were based on their militia? Based on their weaponry? Did they get there based on their muscle? their strength, their abilities, no how did they get there? God brought them out fought for them, defended them and brought them there how were they going to get in? Come up with some military scheme, some great plan devise some plan of destruction for the enemy concoct some bombs or how did they think they were going to get in? What kind of reasoning is this? God brought them that far for them to say, they're stronger than we are. They're greater than we are. You know what doubt and unbelief does? It looks at the, at the problem and exalts it above the promise of God. And it says the problem is too big. They didn't look at the promise of God. Uh, what they looked at was their inabilities based on their own individual strength we can't do it we can't do it you know what if you could do it you wouldn't need God if we could do it we wouldn't need God just reminded me of something that David said look at first Samuel chapter 17 verse 37 just to give us a an understanding of what could be done when you believe God you know the story of David and Goliath I'm sure and I'm I pray that you know that he didn't kill him with stones but with words and you're going to hear the words that he used to kill the, God, the giant Goliath. Goliath from Gath defied the army of the living God and spewed out venom out of his mouth saying that he was going to, on his own, because he's so big, so bad so strong, so tall, so mighty. If you don't know the story, he was born he was five foot six, and when he was born he weighed 162 pounds teeth, beard, mustache <laughs> and he grew to be nine. <laughs> about my size, I felt for his mother, but it was, (sighs) David uh, said, now listen, he defies the armies of the living God, and what does he spew out all this venom, I'm going to kill you, destroy you, and who you are, if you can fight me, come and fight me, he thought he was so big, bad, nobody could challenge him, he thought we got this in the bag, and what does uh, David do, he says, well, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? what will happen to the man that kills him? what are you going to get? the money the honey and no taxes for the rest of your life he was on it and so he goes to Saul and says to Saul I'm your man or your boy and what does Saul say? Saul says you can't fight him isn't that what those spies said? we can't do this you're about a youth. He's been a warrior from his youth. Do you see how massive he is? My goodness there's no possible way you can. And David said moreover the Lord that delivered me. The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He will. He will. He will. He... Is there a hint of doubt there? At all? You know why he could say he will? He defeated the bears, he defeated the lions, and the last team is the Giants. And as far as he's concerned, the Lord that delivered me from the paw, he had experience in God. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. He knew his he God. He was not playing video games out there watching the sheep at night. He was meditating, the Lord is my, I'm the shepherd of the sheep, but the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He'll make me to lie down in green pastures. leave me beside the still waters, he restores my soul, he'll lead me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake, and you know what? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and staff, praise God, they protect me, amen. He put a table before me in the presence of my enemies, He anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over, surely goodness and mercy, not giants that will defeat me. Follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what he said, and that's what he knew, and so he developed faith in God. He says, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine, and Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord, I hope, is with you. You know he didn't believe much about that did he? they all covered in fear. But it made me realize that look the difference is how we see it. See faith is based on the promise of God. Fear is based on the problem that we see. And you know what? It depends on how we see things. How we view things. The one brother that shared this morning you said about the problems that like a mountain and that sort of thing. How big your God. I'm going to tell you something. You woke me up this morning. Because as I was getting, just, just waking, awakening this morning, the Spirit of the Lord just fell upon me and just said some things that I listed here for us. I didn't make you to be defeated, I made you to be victorious. I did not create you to be overcome, I created you to be an overcomer. And it just went on and on and on. I had to come here and change my notes and all that sort of things, to put some things around, uh, re- redo the different things, because God wanted us to hear this this morning. Look, we need to evaluate the gospel message in light of what you just heard. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17, the gospel message is a powerful message and God moving in our hearts and lives is based on faith in the message, the promise of God, the performance of Jesus, not our performance. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. It is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. It is the miracle working power of God that will change the heart and change the life of any person that will embrace it. Look at what it says. It's the power of God unto what? Salvation. To everyone that believes. To the Jew first also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith. Notice the word salvation. The word salvation is soteria in the Greek and what it means is, it's not only to save it's to heal, deliver, preserve, and rescue that's what it means. So the gospel is the power of God that saves, heals, delivers, preserves, and rescues. But for some reason the church only basically agrees on the fact that, the, that God's grace saves, and we're saved by grace through faith, right? Ephesians 2, 8, what does it say? For by grace are you saved through faith, right? So we understand that, we believe that, but that's not the only thing that it means. Go to a Schofield dictionary, you can look it up for yourself. He talks about the five different words that it really means in the Greek. So thank God by grace we've been saved through faith, but also for by grace are you rescued through faith. By grace are you preserved through faith. By grace are you healed through faith. By grace are you delivered through faith. So the body of Christ agrees to that. But you know what? Most of the body of Christ doesn't believe you've already been delivered. But you receive your deliverance by grace through faith. And for you to believe that, you've got to hear that. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. You check out most people in the body of Christ, they don't believe that Jesus died for their sickness and disease. Even though it says it clearly stated in the scriptures. But he did. He did. We've got to believe it, embrace it, and act like it's so. Look at the next to live by faith means to live by the finished work of Christ I've got to have faith, Galatians 2.20, boy if you ever want to embrace the scripture, let this become your anthem, let this become our anthem, I am crucified with Christ actually in the literal Greek, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, are you alive? yet not I, but Christ lives in me say with me, Christ lives in me And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise God, Jesus loved us. He gave himself for us. So the life we live in the flesh on earth right now, we live by faith in the Son of God. Faith in his accomplishments. Faith in what he has already done for us. People are waiting for God to do something. And not recognizing what he's already done. Faith is all about what he's already done. Not what we want him to do. He's already given us the land. He's already given us Christ. He's already given us salvation, healing, deliverance, preservation, rescue, protection. He's already given us all that. It's up to us to activate what he's given. That's grace by faith. I believe it. So when we stand before our our giants, it's up to us to stand there and say, our God's bigger than you are. When we stand before a Red Sea and there's no time for a plane to build or a bridge or a boat, you stand there and just say, be pardoned in the name of Jesus. What God wants us to do is start believing what he's already done is a reality and just embracing it by faith and this faith that we, this life that we live by faith in the Son of God it's what He's done for us He bore your sickness, He carried his, your pains by His stripes you were healed He has forgiven you, He has shown His mercy He has poured out His love for us He paid the price, He suffered the wrath of God to deliver us and set us free and who the Son sets free is free indeed and when we call ourselves bound and afflicted and all that sort of thing we're violating exactly what He said He'll give you exactly what you say He said as you spoke in my ears so will I do to you so it's up to us to embrace the truth and start living our lives by faith in the Son of God and his achievements and his accomplishments. What has he done? So in 2 Corinthians 4:13, this is a powerful verse of scripture. Look at what it says. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Do you know how many times that Jesus said, if you had faith, you would say? If you had faith, you would say? If you believe, you would say? If you had faith, you would say to this mountain, be thou removed to yonder place, and it would remove, and nothing would be impossible to you. If you had faith, you would say to a sycamine tree, be plucked up by the root and planted to the sea, and it would obey you. That's how faith operates. You know, in Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verse 14, it says, he answered the tree. He went to the tree, and he answered the tree, and he said to the tree, no man, he thee hereafter forever. Remember that? You know faith answers circumstances. Faith is the answer for our circumstances. The mountain is there standing before us. It's up to us to look at the mountain and do what? He didn't say take the mountain to God. He said speak to your mountain. Jesus said say to your mountain. Be not removed and cast into the sea. And don't doubt in your heart but believe that what you say will come to pass and you'll have whatever you say. So he's saying to us that we're to speak our faith to the situation. And what's our faith based on? Who we are? Absolutely not the finished work of Jesus Christ, the impartation that he's given us of faith in our hearts to believe beyond our five physical senses, for the just shall live by faith, we walk by faith and not by sight, now I listed these here for us because I couldn't write them down fast enough, I could not write these down fast enough, They're not, it's not even exhausting what he said to me this morning But I opened up my eyes, the Spirit of God fell upon me, and I just heard an authoritative word from the Lord saying, I did not create you to live for yourself. I created you to live for me. You don't own yourself, I own you. The blood was shed, the price was paid, I own you, and you are to live for me. I didn't create you so that you can follow your own plans he says I created you so that you can deny yourself take up your cross and follow the plans that I have for you for good not for evil to give you a future and to give you a hope I did not create you for death I created you for life to live a life that more abundantly I did not create you for poverty and sickness but for prosperity and health I did not create you for fear but for you to overcome fear by love power and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out all fear. Power in the name of Jesus to get it behind us. And a sound mind, praise God, he keeps us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed upon him. I did not create you for sorrow. I created you for unspeakable joy. And when I came into your heart and I washed you from your sins in the blood of the Lamb, there was a joy inexpressible, a joy unspeakable and full of glory on the inside of you. That's what I created you for. And if there's sorrow standing you in the face and staring you in the face, it's time to start shouting because if you want joy you've got to shout for it you've got to leap for it stop letting the mountain dictate to you you start dictating to the mountain don't let the mountain speak to you you speak to that mountain praise God and he said don't even take it to God you speak to it I told you to speak to it not to take it to God is that what he said to do speak to your mountain I've created you not for defeat but for victory, praise God. He always causes us to triumph. I created you to be filled not with yourself, but with the Holy Ghost and power and the fire of God from on high. I did not create you praise God just to to be filled with who you are, but who He is and His glory. He didn't create us to stop every uh, to be stopped by the mountains of adversity, but as we just said, to speak to them so that they can be removed. He didn't create us to be dominated by devils and demons. He created us, praise God, to cast devils out, as he said, in the power and authority of his name. Take authority over all demonic activity that tries to come against us in this life. He did not create us to be confused, but to have the mind of Christ. Do you have the mind of Christ? We need to proclaim it and declare it. He didn't create us, praise God, to be overcome, but to be overcomers. He didn't create us for mediocrity, but for greatness through humility and service to the king. Not to live for ourselves, but to live for Him. Oh, thank God every single day that we take in a breath, we're to praise Him for the breath that we breathe. To thank Him for the life that we live. To thank Him for the salvation that we have. To thank Him for His presence in our lives. He didn't create us, listen to this one, for impartation only. He created us for intimacy. What do I mean by that? Don't get me wrong. I believe we can lay hands on people for impartation. But you know what? we get whatever we do it seems like we take it to an extreme because we're human beings you can lay hands on people for impartation but you're not going to live forever on that impartation you take that impartation you get into the presence of god you get into your little prayer closet and you stand there and say increase i want increase oh I want intimacy with you, I want increase, I want you to increase my who gives the increase? God gives the increase. Just because we go to here and there and listen to all these sermons and all that sort of thing, that's watering. But the increase comes in the throne room. Amen. Alone with God. You want greater faith? Tell them increase my faith. The Bible says no faith, little faith, great faith, perfect faith. Faith unfeigned, it talks about shipwreck faith and all different kinds of levels of faith. But you know what? The only way we're going to increase faith is by getting into his presence and saying, Lord, Father, increase my faith, increase my capacity to love, increase my ability to forgive and bring increase into my life. We present ourselves just like we did at this altar right here. I want increase. Did you sense his presence in a powerful and glorious way? I'll tell you what, he wants us all to be filled with his fullness. Also to fear his presence he didn't create us to fear his presence but to enter in by the precious blood of the lamb he didn't create us to be timid and shy but to be bold as a lion for the righteous are bold as a lion he did not create us for sin consciousness guilt and condemnation but to be righteousness conscious knowing that we're the righteous of god in christ he didn't create us to be bitter and unforgiving but to be merciful and forgiving God wants us to believe in our heart and put within our mouth everything that he said he has done for us in Christ. He wants us to go to the table that's placed before us and start looking at that table and start realizing this has already been done. Salvation is already done. All we have to do is receive it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, listen, there are some of you here today, he wants to take you to another level. For those of you that don't believe in that manifestation of the Spirit, I'll tell you what I challenge you, sit down, read the scriptures for yourself in the book of Acts, and you will find out these blessed truths. The Jewish camp got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. You can read it for yourself. Then you go to the Gentile camp that's the only other camp that there is Jews and Gentiles at Cornelius' house ten years later and they got filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. You go to the next one the Apostle Paul got filled with the Holy Ghost and said I speak in tongues more than you all. Then you go to Acts chapter 8 and you start where Philip went down to the Samaria preached Christ to them miracles took place signs and waters took place. And it says that those people that were there got saved and baptized in water. But then they sent for Peter and John to come down and pray for them. Why? Because they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. He prayed for them they received the Holy Ghost. And that utterance that they saw that was there. That, that Simon saw he wanted to buy. And then you go to Acts chapter 19. 19 it's almost 20 years later. And you find out this. Paul going to the upper coast of Ephesus. By Corinth. He saw certain disciples there. And he said have you received, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And he says we never heard there be a Holy Ghost. Well then what were you baptized to? John's. He baptized to repentance. But there was one coming after him that he talked about was Jesus. He'll baptize you with the, not in, but the Holy Ghost. And with fire. They got what baptized in water and then paul laid his hands on them and they were all filled with the holy ghost and spoke with other tongues as the spirit of god gave them you'd have to deny the scriptures to say there's not a separate experience a subsequent experience it's a twofold work beloved god wants to elevate his church to a place of victory over all the forces we face in this life he wants to take people that are anointed and give them a greater anointing he wants to lift their souls up to a higher place in him where they know who they are and know what they have so that when we infiltrate the world everywhere we go praise god we'll tell people about jesus he'll use us as his vessels of honor we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover we'll proclaim that jesus is the only way to the father and we'll turn the world right side up for jesus can you say amen let's all stand together before the lord saints of god